morning, church. Um, it feels strange to stand in front of you <laughs> in this capacity. <laughs> um, when pastor asked me to preach today, I, um, I said, yeah, okay. I had no idea. <laughs> and I told him, I said, a few days later, I told Pastor, I said, I don't have a message. And he said, yeah, it's okay. You'll get it. <laughs> and I prayed and I said, Lord, what would you like to speak to us about? And it, it took several days, I think almost over a week. And I was getting nervous and I was saying, I don't have a message. But the Lord is faithful. Because the Lord wants to guide us, wants to be with us. He's very, whole, he, he's very, the very fact that he sent us his Holy Spirit is evidence to the fact that he wants to walk this walk with us. Christ already said he would never, he, he would never leave us as orphans. But that he will send the Holy Spirit who's there to, to be our guide, to be our counselor teach us, to guide us into all truth. Amen? So, after searching and asking the Lord, I, he finally came through. And um, he just, I just woke up one day and this, this message just came. And I, I took my phone and I just started typing and just started typing and I just started typing and I just started typing and I, started typing and I said, wow. Lord, I trust this is what you want us to hear. And, I'm, and I believe that the word that he has prepared for us today is what we need for this hour. For the past several weeks, the Lord has been calling us to, to action, to do something. In the month of July, Pastor Macduff took us through a series of choices. Life is about making choices. And then a month, um, a month later, last, last month, Pastor, Pastor Sunga took us through responsibilities. What we as Christians, what our role as Christians is in taking up responsibility. And our sharing today will follow up on that somewhat. Let us turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. That's our main text for today. In the New King James, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The subtitle in my Bible for, for this scripture is Jesus Gives True Rest. And when I read this, I was like, hmm, why would Jesus be talking about rest? 
Why did he find it necessary after, you know, talking about all the things that he spoke about to just, you know, almost out of the blue say, come to me, all who, who are laboring, and I'll give you rest. The background to this um, is that in the previous chapter, Jesus had called his 12 disciples and had given them the authority and the power. He had, he had commissioned them, basically, to go out and to preach and he gave them authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. But having commanded them that, he also warned them of possible opposition. He warned them. He, he, he sort of told them what to expect. He told them that, you know, even though I've given you this power, even though I've given you this mission, you have to be prepared that you're going to face this kind of opposition. And some of the opposition he warned them about was like strife with, with people, people who were not going to accept their message, people who, who were not going to, um, who are going to come against them just because they had made their allegiance to Christ. And even family members, you know, who would say, you know, um, who are going to disagree with them. Now, when, we when, when a stranger disagrees with you, it's okay. I mean, we're not going to see each other again. <laughs> but when it's your brother or your mother or your father or somebody close, a close friend, when they you even say, even you, you know? You know, like Pastor McDuff um, two weeks ago, you know, he says, ah, Pastor Sunga, even you, you know? It hurts. So Jesus had told them to expect that. You know, one thing I like about the Lord is he tells you the way it is. He doesn't beat about the bush. He, he doesn't sugarcoat it. You say, yes, you have all this. But then also watch out for this. So that as a watchman or as a Christian, or as a woman or a man of God, you're prepared. You're not taken as unawares. In Matthew 10, in the previous chapter, Matthew 10, verse 38 to 39, Jesus had given his, um, his disciples the ultimatum. He said, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. He had given them all this, you know, all these instructions and so on and so forth. And then he comes up and says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. I mean, I'm sure when, when, when Christ told them, you know, I'm giving you this authority to go and raise the dead and, and heal the sick and do this and do that. I mean, they had walked with Jesus. They have seen some of the... the the miracles that he had done. And I'm sure that being given that authority, being told that they were going to do what he had done was something, you know, that made them feel good, you know. You know, we're going to be partake of the glory. But the glory doesn't come without a price. Amen. The glory doesn't come without a price. That's a principle of life. Good things comes to those who wait, or good things comes to those who work for it. 
And one of the price that Christ was giving his disciples and also is giving to us is if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it was kind of disturbing a little bit. The idea of carrying the cross is not, it's not a pleasant one to think about. And I'm sure even for the disciples, it wasn't. And, you know, we read in the Gospels that they came to a point where they said, this is a hard teaching. And even after Christ had actually gotten to the point of carrying his cross to Golgotha, they said, hey, you know, each one to his own. But that is what we must do. That is what Christ is calling us to. So essentially, the disciples' responsibility had just been increased from being followers to being imitators, so to speak, to being um, lieutenants or something. They had just been commissioned by their general or their commander to say, okay, now you've been, I've been training you, now you need to begin to take up to do what I'm doing because soon and very soon I'm going to go, I'm going to leave you in charge. So I need to know that you can handle this. I need to know that I can trust you with this. So in, in, in chapter 10, we're still looking at the background. Essentially, chapter 10, Jesus Christ, as the commander of this small army of the 12 apostles or 12 disciples, as their commander, had just given them, had just commissioned them into battle. Because Jesus Christ was coming to establish his kingdom. And it, it was a kingdom that was not going to be won just anyhow. It was a battle. And as with any army, the commander was sharing with his, with his, um, with his army or his, his soldiers the strategies that are necessary for them to win this battle. In verse 28 and 29 of chapter 11 of Matthew, Jesus shares part of that strategy, the one that we just read. When he said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That was part of the strategy that Jesus was giving to his disciples in order to win this war. Now, unlike our normal understanding of rest, which means to stop or to cease from doing work, the rest that Christ is talking about in this verse is different. So I searched it up a little bit and say, okay, he has just, Christ has just sent his disciples to go and do work. And then he's saying, come to me, all you who are laboring, and I'll give you rest. It sounds like a contradiction. So... A little bit of a search, I, I found this um, definition from um, Vine's Dictionary. And he defined it as harmonious working 
I'm quoting now. This is not me. This is not my English. Lest you think I'm very wise. Um, he says, harmonious working of all the faculties and affections. Of will, of heart, imagination, conscious. Because each has found in God the idea sphere the ideal sphere of, satis of its satisfaction and development. Amen. Have we lost each other? <laughs> so basically what he's saying, for me when I, when I read it, what he's saying is to be in a state of uh, completeness, in an ideal state, the, the phrase that came to mind was a duck to water. You know, that saying we say, like a, he took to it like a duck to water. To be in your element, in your natural element. Amen. It's like when, you're, when, you, when, when a fish is in the water, it's in its natural element that it can thrive, it can do anything. You take the fish out of the water, it will die eventually. So, this is basically what is the idea that there is, 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 is being put forward here to say, to be, for us to be in a state where we can thrive as human beings, we can be all we can, we can fulfill the goal and the, the the goal and the plan and the purpose that God has for us. Amen. The purpose that God has for me as Naomi, the purpose that God has for you as a person, as a woman of God, as a man of God, as a child of God, as a daughter. Amen. And I will give you rest. So how do we experience this rest in the Lord? How do we experience this rest in the Lord? Having known that it's not a rest of sto stopping or ceasing from our work, but it's a rest where we find everything, all our faculties. In the definition we just read, it said, will your heart your imagination, your conscience, all that to find their fulfillment, to find their, their definition in God. Because as a human being, God created us the way we are. With our imaginations, with our will, with our heart, with our conscience, all that needs to be, to be realigned to the original state that God has, God intended for it to be. Amen. For us to be able to fulfill this, for us to be able to fulfill the, the mandate that God has given us, the great commission to go ye into all the world and make disciples of, of all nations, just like Christ had told his disciples, we need 
to reboot, so to speak. Amen? It's like when your phone is misbehaving. You've used it. virus. You went on a certain site and whatever. Somebody sent you something. And somehow it's not working as it, it is. It should work. You know, it freezes at sometimes. <laughs> it freezes or screening and, and so on and so forth. Or you've downloaded so many things into it and it's become slow. And then the technician, you take it to a technician and says, oh, we need to reset, reboot. This is the rest that Jesus is talking about. Amen. So how do we reboot? How do we reboot so that we can find and experience and fulfill the purpose that God has for each and every one of us? Each and every one of us has a purpose. Each and every one of us is called to do the unique thing that we were created to be. Otherwise, all of us would have been the same. Same height, same complexion, same eyes and hair and, and everything. But we are so, so different. We speak differently. Some shout. Some are so soft-spoken. Some can sing. Some use their hands like I'm doing. Some, like my brother Chisomo, just stand here and, and speak. And as they speak and as they share the word, you're squirming in your seat. So God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And he wants at the end of it that we should have fulfilled that purpose. But we can't if we don't find the rest in the Lord, the true rest. So, first thing in finding rest, one, you have to recognize and admit that you have a need that you need rest from. In Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8, the Bible commands us to ask, seek, and knock. Somebody who doesn't see the need. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking of, um, we've seen Aunt Hamisala, you know? People who have, with mental issues, psychological issues that are just walking around. They don't see the need for a bath or to comb their hair. So they're just walking around. They, are, they smell, their hair is all matted together. They, well, everything is fine. They don't see the need. So it's the same with us. Unless we see the need and admit that we need that, we're not going to seek it. And we're going to remain the same. We're going to, be, we're going to remain where we are. This year, next year, same time, we'll still be the same. Struggling with the same thing, in the same condition, with the, you know, with the same mindset and everything. There are a few examples that came to mind when I was meditating on this scripture. Jabez, the famous Jabez. Books have been written upon, uh, about him. His mother essentially gave him 
the name Mavuto. How many of us have been given the name Mavuto? Maybe not exactly Mavuto, but some, how many of us have been given names because our parents or our mothers or somebody, you know, that relates to some problem in our lives? And we say, oh, it's okay. But Jabez could see that, no, 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 no. This Mavuto business is not my portion. If God is the God that we say he is, who could part the seas and who could do this, he could do this, he could do this. Ah, no, he can change my seasons. So he recognized that he wasn't in his optimal operating position or state. And he said, Lord, this has got to change. The father with the demon-possessed boy. How many of us we say, Come on, come on. But the father said, no. How many of us we've, you know, we have relatives, or me I fail, we have Conditions. Whatever. Sugar or eye problems. And we say, that's the way life is. The woman with the issue of blood. She had had that condition for a long time. And it had impoverished her. Blind Bartimaeus, he was blind. Zacchaeus, Jairus, the centurion, all these people recognize, they, all, they, all of them, they had different issues. But one thing that's common with them is they recognize and admit it. That they were, they were missing this rest. I don't know what it is that is preventing you from experiencing your optimal your optimal condition your optimal state that would enable you to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Number 2 Recognize that Jesus is the only source who can provide that rest. In our main scripture, Christ said, come to me, all you who are heavily laden, are burdened, and I'll give you rest. All these people, all these examples that we've talked about, they had understanding, they had faith enough to believe that the issues that they had, the rest they were looking for, only Jesus could provide. They had gone to other people. They had tried finding other solutions. But then they came to that realization and said, Jesus is the one who can provide that rest. Just like the prodigal son, he thought he could find rest in his portion of the inheritance. So he was given and he went out. And as he went out, he had fun. 
He did all that. And then he went so low. And then he decided, mm, let me just accept my lot in life. I've messed up. I've messed up. I'm not worthy to be anybody else but, you know, fellowship with the pigs. Have we messed up today? How many of us feel that we've messed up? And how many of us feel that have given up and say, mm, I've messed up. I'm not worthy. All I'm worthy to be is to fellowship with the pigs. Are we in that state? Whatever it is that we've done. Like the prodigal son, he remembered. And he said, hmm, I'll go back to my father. And accept whatever he has for me. Even if I'm like his servants, I'll still be better off than fellowshipping with pigs. So all these people had that same realization of the prodigal son to say, doctors haven't helped me. Um, the disciples haven't helped me. The people haven't helped me. The culture hasn't helped me. I'll go to Christ. He has my rest. Number three, we need to recognize and persist through the challenges. Just like Christ, when he was sending out his disciples, I told them and warned them that, yes, I've given you this authority. I've given you this commission. But beware. There are these pitfalls. In the same way, all these people that we've looked at who were able to find their rest in God, They recognized the challenges. And they persisted through the challenges until they got their rest. The woman with the issue of blood, she had to persist through cultural challenges, the norm, the voices of people telling her it cannot be done. She wasn't even supposed to be in public because then she would defile the rest of the people. But what she did was like, you know what? I don't care. There's something that I think Pastor Sunga, oh yes, he had mentioned this other day. They became restless. They became restless. So restless, they just needed to go and find that rest at all costs. So whether it's societal restrictions, cultural restrictions, unbelief, hopelessness, hopelessness from the situation getting worse. You know, sometimes you can start out on your journey. You can start out seeking God. And seemingly, it's like, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're, you feel like in the I shouldn't have stared the waters, you know? Because now that I've started, you know, trying to find something, trying to get solutions for it, now it's getting worse.
persist through the challenges of perceived reputations, what will the people say about me? I've been singing in the choir. I was a praise song. I was a worship leader. And then I have this problem. What will people say? The centurion, he had to do that. He had to go through He had to go against his reputation. He was a Roman, an oppressor. He had no right to partake of this gift for the Jews. But he didn't care about that. He just persisted. Because he knew that Christ had the rest and he wanted that rest at all costs. Seeming delay. Sometimes we can start out right and then the answer doesn't come as quickly as we want it. For Jairus, when he went to the Lord, there was a delay because Jesus was otherwise occupied. There was a delay because Jesus was attending to, to another person who wanted rest, who had come to him, the woman with the issue of blood, and he was busy attending to him. And sometimes you can feel, Lord, I have been praying. Actually, now, and now faith comes, and now she's saying a testimony. What kind of, what kind of God, godliness is this? Pastor Macduff, he does this and it happens. It was easy for Jairus to say, maybe God or Christ doesn't care. Maybe he thinks my problem is too small. Maybe, maybe it's his will that my daughter should be like that. But they persisted. What challenges are there in front of us that are keeping us from that rest? What challenges do we need to recognize and persist through? Is it the law? Is it the thronging people? Is it cultural restrictions? Is it unbelief? Our own unbelief. The man with, uh, the father with the demon-possessed boy, he went to Christ and said, if you can, and I says, but if you can, he says, if, if I can, only believe. And he says, Lord, I believe. But there's the other side of me. When he sees these manifestations of this demon, I don't know. We've, I mean, all these other things, they haven't done like this. They haven't reacted like this. It's not that he didn't have belief. He had belief enough to go to Christ to seek for that, that help. But then there was also the unbelief that was coming from, the, from seeing the reality now. The same unbelief that Peter had. He had Peter, when Peter walked on water, he believed that he could walk. But on the other hand, 
There was also the unbelief that was coming from the waves. Reality. You know how we say, yes, we have faith, but the reality is. <laughs> this is the reality. So maybe some of us have to work through the reality. We have to pursue through the reality. The reality is, I'm not, I may not be the best qualified. The reality is, um, maybe I'm too old. The reality is, I'm too young. The reality is, I may be too tall or too fat, too whatever. The reality is, I'm a mother. The reality is, I'm not married. The reality is, I may be in a place where, um, which seems to be dry. There are no opportunities. That's the reality. What is your reality? That we have to work through. That we have to persist through in order to continue trusting God that he's going to come through for us and we'll find the rest. And then fourthly, learn from the Lord. In verse 29, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From gentle and lowly in heart and you find rest for your souls. It's not just coming and accepting the rest from the Lord, but it's also learning. Why did Christ tell us to learn from him? He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke is not something that is, uh, it's not a nice thing, even if it's Christ's yoke. A yoke is a yoke. <laughs> when I think of a yoke, you, you think of a yoke, it's on your neck, right? You're yoked to something else. You yoke two oxen together. Why? So that they can walk together in sync. So Christ is saying, come out from that yoke that you have. But you're not just coming out from the yoke and you're just going to be free and a free agent. I'm a free agent. We like to say that. I'm a free agent. No. Learn from me. Why? Because we are going to be yoked. We have to be yoked with Christ. We cannot find this rest unless we are yoked to Christ. And we learn from him. Some of the things that I, I was asking, so, okay, what are some of the things that I can learn from Christ? Submission. In Matthew 3, verse 15 to 16, before Christ started his ministry, he submitted to the baptism of John. I'm like, okay. 
John was baptizing unto repentance. Repentance, you repent from sin. Now Christ is sinless. That's why he's the Messiah. But for Christ, it wasn't a, a baptism unto repentance. It was a baptism unto obedience. Obedience to something that seemingly was low, lower than him. Obedience, when he answered John in, 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 in Matthew 3, verse 15 to 16, he said, in order to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness. It may not have made sense for Christ to be baptized unto repentance by John, which was the baptism of repentance. But for him, he understood that it was to fulfill all righteousness. What are some of the things that God is asking us to do that we think they don't apply to me? They don't apply to me. I'm a Christian. I'm a leader. I speak in tongues. I've been born again for 10 years, 20 years. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking me to do, to submit to, so that I can find this rest? Even though it might look like it's a contradiction. Christ understood that even though he was above John, even though John was somebody who was coming as a forerunner, as his herod, but he understood he needed to submit and be baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. One of, one, uh, the second thing we learn from Christ is persistent prayer. Persistent prayer as a way of maintaining constant communion with the Father. In Matthew 14, verse 23, we see that an example of that in Matthew 14, verse 23. Jesus understood this concept of yoking because he also understood that in whatever he was going to do, whatever he's going to do on, on, on earth, he could not find rest aside from the Father, so he had to yoke himself to the Father. And he had to be consistently in contact with him, with his father. The third thing we learned from Christ is he multiplied himself in the 12 disciples for posterity. He knew that as a human being, his time was limited. So the message that he had, he had to train others. What is it that God has entrusted into us? And what are we doing to multiply that to others to make sure that it, it survives beyond us? Because whatever purpose, the, whatever purpose the Lord has for us, for me, is bigger than me. It's bigger than me. It's for the generations to come. 
So what am I doing to make sure that I multiply myself? I entrust it to the next generation. Amen. In short, in Hebrews 5, verse 8 to 9, what we learn from Christ is that though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Amen. So how do we find true rest? How do we tap into the rest? We recognize. We ask. We persist. We learn from the master. Amen.